This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's going on, beer lovers? What up? How we doing? Here to talk about some beer and some theology. Like always, every episode, every 30, episode, 34 of them now. 34 of them. Wow, we've been doing this for a while now. And we're too behind on PMP. Oh wow, yeah, I guess that's true cuz we're 36 on every on everything else. 36 on everything else and 34 on PMP. That's I don't know how it fell. I I don't know. I think well, I got COVID. Mhm. And we got one episode behind and then somehow in the last 6 months we got another episode behind. I guess just because five unique pieces of content every week like Yeah. It just caught up with me Some, one week, and like I just couldn't do it or something. Somehow we got behind. Uh, I don't know. I don't actually fully remember, but <clears throat> no, somehow we did get behind. Um, so we are doing something that if you're actually trying to drink beer and taste, you don't. You yeah, shouldn't you shouldn't do. do. So what happened was... <laughs> the story is... <laughs> yeah, what happened was is we we had a long day today just doing a lot of stuff and we couldn't get to record until late. We didn't start recording until like nine 45. No, it wasn't that late. It was like nine. Cause There's it's no 10 40 now. Oh, I guess that's probably true. I guess it's probably about nine, nine 15, something like that. Yeah. So we just finished up recording practicing presence mm-hmm. talking about praying scripture. And we were like, dude, it's like 10 o'clock. A cocktail might be nice. Yeah. A little highball. So we made a cocktail and we drank it through, or we were drinking it through practicing presence. Problem was, it was a whole cocktail. <laughs> like, we didn't drink it in a 20 minute episode of practicing we presence. Still got some left. So we still got some cocktail left while we're fixing to start talking about beer. So, I mean, we can talk about beer and drink vodka sodas. Like, it's fine. It's just, you probably shouldn't do it. No, like, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, severely mess with your palate. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a good thing this is, there's not much happening here flavorly. There's not. Um, I mean, it's vodka, soda, and lime. Yeah. Vodka, you can't really taste, especially when you mix it with soda. Yeah. And, and then lime. And then lime. Really, so. and lime's the most pronounced flavor. But yeah, but the bitterness of the, the, the citric acid, yep. and then from the lime pith, right? Like it, and all the essential oils from the lime peel, right? Like, yeah. it's just... It, so, I've got one drink left in mine. I think Clayton is finishing his up, or almost. I got one more drink. Dunsies. Finito. I do have some water here, so I'm going to water my palate a little bit. I can't cleanse my palate. I don't have water. It's fine. We're okay. Anyways. Alrighty. I've got a beer I'm super excited about. Well, let's hear about it. As a cocktail nerd. Yeah. This is very fun for me. So, Colin, what is my second favorite cocktail? First favorite is Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Second favorite... Guess an old fashioned. Bingo. Okay. A well made old fashioned. Yep. You still use my recipe or have you changed it? Oh no. Mine is very different than yours now. Okay. I use it I use completely different bitters than you do now. Okay. 
Anyways, Cullen <laughs> uh, taught me how to make an old fashioned, but I have since changed it. Um, St. Arnold Brewing. Hey, St. Arnold. Wanna partner hey, up? up? Let's do it. You, you, you want to do some sponsorships? This is like four straight weeks. I don't know. We've been hitting them up for a while. No, like four straight weeks of like featuring their beers. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. Um, we like your beer. Yeah. You should like us too because we support yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Like, um, yeah, let's do let's do a thing. Anyways, St. Arnold this is from St. Arnold Brewing. Excuse me. It is called the Old Fashioned. Yeah. It is a barley wine ale aged in rye whiskey barrels with an orange peel adjunct. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I've never seen that beer. I I was at HEB and I was looking at the beer aisle and like mm-hmm. their little singles, and I was just kind of looking and you know, the label didn't really appeal to me. Yeah. Like, it didn't like call out to me. Yeah. And then I just old fashioned I was like, what the hell is that? Right? Like Yeah. What, I've what the heck is that? Yeah. I've literally been to St. Arnold's probably a hundred times. Yeah. I've never seen that beer. Yeah. I, I think it's new. Like, I don't know. It doesn't. I mean. I don't know. Yeah. First time we bottled our English style barley wine ale and rye whiskey barrels. It reminded us of the famous old fashioned cocktail. With this new iteration, we added orange peel to lend a bright and zesty counterbalance to the caramel malt toffee, and dark fruit notes. Mm. The rye whiskey barrel aging provides pleasant spices and oak character to the beer. Pour into a glass and enjoy a new classic. No stirring required. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't have a glass to pour it in. I wish I had a tulip glass to pour it in, but um, because it would actually probably open up better in a tulip glass. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it would. Uh, It is 12.9, as always, like 12.9 ABV. That's, That's pretty stout, so drink responsibly. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited about mine. Honestly, I, this is a category of beer I've never had, uh, uh, a grain or oats like adjuncted IPA. I thought that was a stout. I didn't realize that was an IPA. Yeah, no. So it's from untitled art brewing company. And I guess it's called the Finback. I don't, I think that's what it's called, but it's an oat cream IPA. And they put in here that it's version two, it's 7% ABV. Oh no, it's untitled art with Finback Brewery out of Wisconsin. That's what it is. So we've had other stuff from Finback though. We have. So Uh, we've had other beers, Yeah, but I have featured never. on Pines and Perspectives. And here's the crazy thing. Honest to God, I like when I turned 21, 22, I'm 28 now. I got like super into brewing. I was like, I was as much into brewing as Clayton is into like whiskey mash bills. Like, yeah, I was true. super into brewing. Yeah. I have never in my life had an oat cream IPA. I've never heard of that before. I didn't know that existed. An oat cream. I, that is 
so weird. I saw this in the store and I was like, okay, last time we had like something from Finback. It was always good. It was, it was good. good. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to give this a shot because like oat cream. I, I legit thought that was like an oat cream stout. And I no. was like, okay. Nope. It's IPA. I saw oat cream and didn't look past that because I was like, uh, I know cream, what this I, is. Uh, yeah. Oat cream stout. Like, it's normal, right? Yeah. Like, oat stouts, cream stouts, like oat cream stouts. Why whatever. wouldn't it like, be yeah. normal? Like, and so an oat cream IPA. Yeah. That is interesting. This is about to either be the best beer I've ever had or, or the, the worst. worst beer I've ever had. <laughs> now, I, truth is, honest to God, I debated. Clayton and I were doing some cleaning in my garage today. And we found oh, yeah. a single bottle of our homebrew. It's probably best we don't drink that on camera. <laughs> yeah, and I really debated like drinking it on camera, but there were two problems. Number one, I couldn't remember what kind of beer it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, it could be the black IPA. It could, it could be, the, be a stout. It could well, be. Well, we, we've never done a stout, but it could be the the barrel aged porter that we did. Oh, that's right. We did a barrel aged porter. Um, we did a black IPA. We did a, a the, what we what was called the caribou slobber, which um, is just a brown. It, it was like just a, a brown, brown with like a. So it was, it was, those, nut, it was a brown are, with a nut adjunct, actually. Yeah. So those are the last three beers we brewed. It yeah. could have been any of those. I don't know. I wanted to try it, but once again, it was like I don't know how long this has been in my garage. I don't know how many seasons it's been through temperature change, and I was like. It's either going to be the best beer I've ever had or the worst beer I've yeah, ever had. It, it is a total experiment at this point. Yeah, um, hands down. And I'm not expecting it to be good. I'm not going to lie. Um, we'll see. Probably not a good idea to drink it on camera. Well, and it's also very clearly the one that was bottled last because it's not full. You know what we should do? We should do... Um, on like a YouTube short or something? Should, or like a YouTube short or, or just like a, a special release where we drink it. And it's it's like, we call it like a Russian roulette episode or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, and we have a trash out, can there out. just in case yeah. we want to barf. <laughs> whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah. yeah. Our beer is really good, but no beer is good when it's sat for two years in a hot garage and... South Texas. Well, heat. and it goes from freezing temperatures to, to boiling, boiling temperature. hot temperatures. Yeah, right, like, like that amount of temperature change is never good for any kind of carbonated drink. Yeah, uh, if it's even carbonated anymore, based on that, right? Like, Correct. Yeah, it, it it may have lost all its fizz. Like we it's have true. no idea. Yeah, there. I we have we no idea. We genuinely do not know. So I mean, with whiskey, those it'd be fine. Those large temperature changes are actually a good thing, right? It like it'd be fine, yeah. But for beer, carbonated, fermented, no. Even for wine, though, that's not a good thing. No, that's what I'm, it's never a good thing for carbonated, fermented, like yeah. anything. But but for whiskey, it's a good thing. It's fine. It yeah. Opens up the barrel and the whiskey soaks yeah. in and the heat. And then when it gets cold, it pushes all the whiskey back out. And it's yeah. just it's fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. Why do you think Scotch is so good? Anyways, well, scotch, it doesn't get hot enough in Scotland. Well, That's why so it's so much light humidity, though. There's so much humidity it doesn't that you get, get that hot expansion enough. and contraction just in general. From We're not going to get into a debate about whiskey. It, it, <laughs> yes. All right, let's do this. Let's drink beer. Cheers, bud. What the? Cheers. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I'm just smelling it.
Holy mess. I need to go in for round two. Hold on. Oh, my God. Dude. That may be the best beer I've ever had. Can I have a sip? Yes, you may. Because you're my brother, and I love you. I, I, I literally, there's, smells there's like 90% of me that wants to go, Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> so, it, but like, it is like, that may be the best beer I've ever had. It, it is way more floral than I expected. Well, but like, just, just, just taste it. Like, you just don't know. Oh, I don't like that. You don't like that? Oh, I'm, my God. I'm sorry, Finback. I, I don't like that. It's so, it's like, it, it's it legitimately reminding me of a pendulum swing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. ooh, no, I, I, I got to get this taste out of my mouth. I'm sorry. I do not like that. Oh, my God, no. It's like right up front, it's like oat cream, and then it's like a quick transition into IPA. I love it. I, Everything about it. Love it. Finback, uh, I have loved every one, every other one of your beers that I've tried. And I've tried a few at this point. Yeah. I'm sorry. That tastes like cough syrup. On the no. Weekend. No. It just leaves this. So li- good. It leaves this lingering cough syrup. Don't thing. listen to this guy. So good. Yeah. This is why palates are subjective. That is very true. Because like for true. me, what hit me first was the hops. Right. Mm. Obviously. Yeah. But then right behind it was this kind of artificial vanilla flavor like this metallic vanilla yeah that you find in like jim beam like the cream flavor yeah and yeah and then it just kind of developed into this weird like ethanol kind of like cough syrup i did not like that nope nope so good so what's happening here i really enjoy this beer i enjoy it a lot i'm not gonna lie though in St. Arnold, I love you guys to death. This does not remind me of an old-fashioned. No? Mm-mm. Is it good, though? Yeah, it's delicious. I get the orange peel, and I, I pick up on the the, uh, the floral eucalyptus notes from the rye yeah. barrel. Um, But honestly, it just tastes like barley wine. Yeah, I feel that. All right. Let's talk some theology since we're 15 minutes into this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. What did the St. Arnold's cap say? Hop to it. (laughs) Hey. Yeah, so if you didn't know, anytime you buy a St. Arnold's beer in a bottle, the the cap, the bottom of the cap, has like a a catchy one-liner on it. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So alongside our summer series on women... Yeah, over on a closer look and on a closer look and, and our stories. stories. Yeah, we're I want to do a little bit on the theology side about women in ministry on PMP. And I think that this is very needed. So we should actually like title this summer. We should start calling it the summer of women. Right. Hmm. I'm OK uh, with that because push be, that crap on social, be, man. Yeah, I will because what what is that? Uh, three out of five um, areas of content. I don't know what the percentage of that is, but that's the majority. <laughs> well, three out of five would be sixty percent. Sixty percent. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm exhausted. If I can't all do things, math. if all things were equal, it'd be sixty percent. 
Okay. Fair enough. Clayton wasn't great at math. <laughs> <laughs> I barely passed my college algebra class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was happy to get a 72. <laughs> yeah. Clayton's like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> um, no, so uh, 60% of our content right now is about women. Through the summer, 60%. If, if all things are held equal, 60% will be about women. Um, through the is, summer. And, and so close. I, I think that this is very needed. And the idea that we're getting your stories about women um, and encouraging women and the support ladies series of your of your mm-hmm. stories, right? Uh, then expounded on deeper on a closer look, mm-hmm. and, and we start looking at more of the the hermeneutical side of it. Mm-hmm. And now we really actually should take a look at the theological implications here, right? Yeah. So that's what we're going to do here. So the other ones. Once again, you know, we're coming out of our series on narrative theology. Support ladies is 100% given over to a narrative theology perspective. 100%. A closer look, 100% given over to a narrative theology perspective. Although that's how we do all of our content, really, that's biblically based. Or at least that's most biblically of it. based. That's biblically based. Yes, that's biblically based. It's a hundred percent narratival yeah. in its theological position. That is that is true. Um, that's not the only way that I do theology. No, um, it can't be the only way you do theology. Well, if you only do narrative theology, you have a lot of gaps. Yeah, that's the deal. You just have so many gaps, and it's like, well, well what kind of sane person can go through life with that many gaps in mm. their theology? Uh, none. So you can't only do narrative. But narrative just seems to be a better gap, like a better bridge point between biblical theology and systematic theology. And you can do those, and then you can pick and choose what you need to from either side. Narrative theology, for me, seems to be much more of a middle point mm-hmm. if, you, if you're if you faithful to the text. And so those those two areas of content are fully given over to narrative theology. And like unashamedly so. This section, what I want to do, because there's not going to be a single week or there's not going to be a, sing- be a single moment throughout the Support Lady series in stories or in um, a closer look that doesn't look at a specific character in the biblical narrative. Right. So I'm not going to tackle like what Paul says in the Timothy epistles. So I'm not going to tackle tackle when he says for women to be silent in 1 Corinthians. Like I'm not going to look at any of those in those because it's narrative. Mm-hmm. We're going to look at that here. And we're going to look at the theological implications of if you oppress women. We're going to look at the theological implications of if you affirm women. We're going to look at the theological implications of if you are egalitarian. We're going to look at the theological implications of if you're complementarian. We're going to look at all of them. Mm-hmm. And from a very macro level, we're going to look at specific biblical passages like the Timothy stuff. We're going to look at the whole gambit of, of women in scripture, uh, of women, like the theological implications of what you do with women yeah. in the ministry. Yeah. Because it's no secret. I'm very open about it. I am 100% affirming of women in any role in the church. Yeah. I got zero like I got zero I got no qualms. qualms. In fact, it's one of our goals at Wellhouse that by year five of Wellhouse's existence, so Wellhouse officially came into existence August first of twenty twenty. 
And we had our first gathering like September 29th, I September think. September 27th. 27th. But so at year five, it's one of the goals at Woe House that more than 51% of our staff is women. Yep. And that that's a bit of an equity piece. Like if I can get on a social work soapbox here. Women aren't allowed to work in the church the way that they want to, right? A lot of them. Or that they should be. Or that they should be uh, allowed to, right? Like, Correct. And, and so, because there there is a surplus of women that want to serve vocationally in the church and serve in pastoral roles, we want to give them a space to do that because we do see your value, ladies, right? Yep, um, 100%. And, and we want to give you a space to do that. So it's a little bit of an equity piece Yeah, that we're like, guys, we know that you can find jobs other places, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's the deal. It sucks. And, I, I, and I've told some of my best friends of this. I'm like, dude, it it sucks to be a dude and want to work at Wells. Now, there are some guys that I've already went to and been like, dude, I'm coming for you. Yeah, we want you on staff. Like, you're going to be on my staff. And, and I know you're listening to this, and I know that you know, who you, know you who you are. Like We want you. <laughs> you're going to be on my staff. Like, there's yeah. no doubt in my mind. Yeah. He's probably but I laughing have, right now. <laughs> but I have told other friends, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, Wahas is not the place for you. Yeah. There are a ton of people that will hire you. Yep. They won't hire women. And so, yeah, it it sucks to be a dude and want to work at Wellhouse. Like, I like, honest to God, I, I'm just very open about it. Like, you're, like, what, ladies are going to get first preference here. What what is what is the idea of equity though? Right, it is the idea of honestly. It's not that everyone runs the same speed. No. That that would be equality. Correct. Right. Equity is the idea that. Not everybody runs at the same speed. And so everyone gets, and so the goal of equity is that everyone get to the finish line at the same time. Man, I wish um, we could do this. We could do it for YouTube, but I don't want to force that editing on you. Um, but there, there's uh, um, an, an image out there. You can just Google equity and like look through the, the Google images and you'll find it. There, There is a... a kind of like a, a three image picture. One image is where um, everyone is standing on a single box trying to watch like a baseball game or something. Okay. And there's like a guy, I don't know, for, for math's sake, that's 6'1", and there's a guy who's like, or, or, or a kid that's probably like 5'3", and then there's so a little average kid. height. <laughs> Then there's a kid who can't even see over the fence, and they're okay. all standing on the same soapbox, <coughs> right? Yeah, excuse me. Then there's a, a picture of the, the the grown man standing on the biggest box, mm. and then the sm- the middle box is given to the middle guy, and the smallest box is given to the, the little kid, right? Then the equity picture is the inverted inverse this the tall guy stands on the smallest box the middle guy stands on the middle box 
and the short guy stands on the tallest box. That is equity. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to create here for 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 women. Yeah. Right. We're trying to give them the biggest box. Yeah. Because they need it. They, that's the deal. They yeah. want to work in the church and we want to give them a space to do that because they are valuable to the church. That's the deal. I and and that's the other thing. I think women are a bit weird when they're fighting for something so hard and then it's offered to them like just freely. Mm-hmm. They're almost like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Since Wellhouse's existence, Wellhouse has not been in existence for a full year yet. Mm-hmm. Two different women have turned me down from job offers. Wow. Just because, I only know of one of them. I don't know about the other one. Yeah. So it just one of the, well, the other one was an editor. Mm. Uh, so not really a pastoral kind of position, no. but well, that kind of makes sense. Then, but. Well, but she was in seminary. Oh, so, but it was like I don't know. I just I like I wanted to give space for these women that I saw potential in, and I prayed about it, and I didn't have like any kind of fears or any negative emotions, and so I was like, okay, like I'm gonna give space for these these ladies to like pursue their gifts. And one of them was like a really good editor, and I was like, "Hey, we like we could we use an editor." <laughs> yeah, like we put I, out a lot of content. I'm like, <laughs> "Girl, I spend like 25 hours a week editing." Yeah, and that that's at base value. Yeah, like we I put spend out a lot, lot of, of time valuing. Like I could t- I could use an editor, and then I had another lady. I just honestly, what I should have told her, I designed a job for her. But what I should have told her design is like, your own job. design your own job because I want you on staff. And she like it just it didn't work. It wasn't it wasn't a good fit for her at the time. I'm still not done with her yet. She's not listening, so it's well, okay. She doesn't listen to this podcast. She listens to other ones. But can we she, need to say it on the other ones? Yeah, she's not done. Because I want her to. Like, yeah, she's not done. Based on what you told me, like she's a good fit for her community. Yeah, she's not done. She's not done. But yeah, so so why does Wellhouse want to be that space? Because there are enough churches that will offer men jobs, there are not enough that will offer women jobs. Yep, especially uh, in that's the, the that's the <clears throat> nicest way I can say it is like there just needs to be a place for women. Yeah, and theologically, like I don't see any problem. Like <laughs> just like flip the cat out of the bag. Like I don't see any problem. <laughs> that's legit. What you just did. Yeah. Like, um, it's like there, there was no buildup. <laughs> look, you know me. You all know me. You know I don't mince words. I try to say things as respectfully as possible. Yeah. Um, and I am willing to say that you are entitled to your opinion until it steps on somebody else's rights. Um, Ooh, rights. Yeah. And that's not original to me. That That's somebody else. I can't mm. remember who said it. He's dead now. I, I know that. Clay's a content thief. Uh, I just admitted that it's not <laughs> mine. Um, <clears throat> That's okay. I'm a content thief too. Yeah. I don't steal from preachers though. I only steal content from one person. Your preaching mentor? Nope. I don't steal content from him. Oh. I love what he does, but that's why I don't steal from him. I steal Dave Chappelle's content all the time. Yeah, I mean, Dave, Dave's got some good stuff. But <laughs> so <clears throat> I don't know who said that. I can't remember his name at the moment. But you are entitled to your opinion until it steps on someone else's rights. And I believe 
that as Americans, specifically Americans, because women don't have these rights in other countries as they should, women have the right, the, the legal constitutional right in America to work whatever job they want. Yeah. Um, now, we as Christians historically have not done a very good job of letting them work whatever job they want, especially if it's in the church. We will let them work in the church for free. Yeah, we will let them volunteer in the church. That's a very polite and gracious way of saying that, Clayton. It is slave labor. Yeah, we we have literally worked women into the ground for zero pay. Well, Even so much that, that the person we were talking about earlier, the one that I saw so much potential in that I tried to get her to come on staff, she literally did a full-time paid person's job at a church volunteering mm-hmm. for free. They hired someone for that position, never asked her to apply, and when they hired the new person, she tried to reintegrate with that person. That person never talked to her. That is so frustrating. So our our grandmother... Has been uh, maternal or paternal? Uh, maternal. Okay. Um, has been working as a children's director. She retired this year. Yeah, but she has been doing that for like longer than years. I have been alive. Has it been longer than you've been alive? Mm-hmm. Because she did it at another church before. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I'm but at this specific church, this specific church, it was like, like twenty years. Yeah, 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 like almost on. Never been given a dime. Yeah, never been paid at all. Um, and there was a season there where she paid for a lot of the stuff. She did. and In the children's department, like out of her own budget, like out did. of her own finances. Uh, th- that, that's that been a rare occurrence. But well, like, it was it early happened. on. Yeah. And uh, she's been through four different pastors. Four different senior pastors. Four different yeah. senior pastors. Through that time. Of that same church. Never once been offered a job. Never once been offered a paycheck. Nope. She's been doing it for 20 years, and she's finally said, uh, I can't do it anymore. She's also like... Well, uh, she's still... She's actually in transition. Yeah, but how old is she? She's like almost 80. Uh, Late 70s. Yeah, yeah, she's like 77, I think. Uh, 76. Something like that. Yeah. 76, 77. I, I wanted to say 76, but... Yeah. 76. I think she turned 77 this year. Yeah. Um. So it's time for her to yeah, it's absolutely to time. start but relaxing. Like Twenty years and never offered a job. Twenty years, never offered a job, never offered a dime. Has loved two generations of kids that have come in and out of that church. Yeah, legit, legit, two generations of kids. Yeah, and loved each one of them to death. Yeah, and it was a big kids department. Well. In the beginning, it wasn't. She grew. She grew it. it, yeah. To at one point, like VBS is rocking over a hundred kids. Uh, so I worked VBS there for all of my middle school and all of my high school every summer, yeah. um, and every year until the last couple years that I did it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That is due to her. Well, and it. Like and they had a true bus ministry. They did. They went and picked picked kids they up picked from kids their homes yep. because they come from a low income area. Yeah. 
um, and transportation was hard. Yeah. Parents couldn't get their kids to the church, but they wanted their kids to go to church, yeah. whether they had to work or, or whatever the situation yeah. was. Yeah. They ran a bus. Yeah. And they picked kids up from from their homes, brought them to the church, dropped them back off. They ran an after school ministry. She yep. didn't do that part, but no, uh, they did. She partnered with this other group right. that ran an after school ministry, right? Like, I, she did a full time job. She did a honest, honestly, a sixty hour week job. Of a children's of a children's pastor, mm-hmm. I would rather say it that way. Of a children's pastor, and never got a dime. Yeah, tell me how that's not slave labor. Tell me how that's not unjust. Yeah, well, for me, so I it the year was yeah. Let me get my storyteller storyteller voice. The year was. No, I don't know. In the year 1965. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. I, It was a joke, Cullen. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get my storyteller voice together. Yeah. With my cold. Yeah. It works very well. The year must have been 20, like, 15, 2014. No, it must have been 20, like, late 2014 or early 2015. I met a young woman. I say young. She's older than me. She's still young, but she's older than me. Named Melissa Moore. Ah. Uh. Melissa Moore is by far the smartest. Genu- like the smartest person I've ever met. I've never met her. Yeah. So. If you but. if you don't know, Melissa Moore is Beth Moore's daughter. We did grad school <clears throat> together. Um, she was in a different program. She was in the Mabel program at HBU, the Master of Arts in Biblical Languages. She already had two graduate degrees before that one. Yeah. That was her third graduate degree. And and she'd already entered and left a PhD program. Like, hands down, Melissa Moore was the is the smartest person I've ever met. <clears throat> she worked for her mom. Yeah. She worked for Beth. She still works for Beth. She's the, I guess, research assistant or something like that to Beth. Now I think she's co-authored. They just co-authored together a Bible study on the book of Galatians. Hey, go buy it. Go buy that. First of all, I have looked at it. It is good. Go buy it. Um, Melissa and I have worked together on some different projects. We've talked a lot. We've spent quite a bit of time together. Melissa is a genius. Yeah. Legit. She is one of the only people I know. And this is no joke. I know a lot of seminary professors. (laughs) Melissa Moore is one of the only people I know that can pick up both a Hebrew Old Testament and a Greek New Testament and read it as well as I read my English Bible. That's fantastic. She is hands down one of the smartest people I know. She works for her mom. She got three graduate degrees, not to mention an undergraduate degree in this field. Is that because it's a choice, or is that because um, she couldn't find a job in a church somewhere? Yes. So both? Yes. Okay. I, I do want, since you brought Beth Moore up, I wanted to go there. So I wanted to talk about Beth, too, 
And maybe we need to, because we are like 35 minutes into this we episode. We always go long on this. We just need to accept that this happens. I know, but we drink full beers and like we're not even halfway through. Like it's just there's more time when you're drinking a beer. Yeah. But like since since we're we're on the path of Beth. How many books has that woman written? Oh my God. Countless. 40. So many. Right. And, and Which Melissa was basically a ghostwriter on a lot of those. Okay. Because she was doing all the research. She was giving Beth her, like, her recommended resources and all kinds of stuff. Like, but that's also not including the other Bible studies and things that yeah. she's done, right? That's just books, right? Oh, no, no. I'm including Bible studies. Oh, you are including yeah, Bible studies? Yeah, probably 40 publications. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and what do, what does our tradition typically hand to women, small groups, Sunday school classes, whatever. Booklets. Or Beth Moore studies. Beth yeah. Moore studies. Yeah. Yet, even though men could learn a lot and take a lot out of her studies, I've done one of her studies. I've done multiple of her studies. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't, let me say, I definitely don't think they're bad. Yeah, like, we could learn, as men, we could learn so much from that. Yeah. But because she's a woman, right, that that means that we can't learn from her. Because Paul supposedly stated in this one letter that, like, he doesn't permit women to have authority over a man. (laughs) Which is so weird. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to we, talk about that. We have to next. talk about that next week. We're going to talk about that text next week because, like, there's just a lot of things going on in that text. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, like, uh, come on, man. I, I can't wait until we talk about that because I was talking about that with somebody else the other day, um, actually, last night. Um, and I went on my, like, narrative theology kind of rant. I was like, he may have gotten it. He may have just gotten it wrong. <laughs> and they're maybe, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> excuse me. Or maybe he was just talking to Timothy about Ephesus. Yeah. If Paul even wrote that. Yeah. If Paul even wrote that. Yeah. I don't right. know. I'm, I, I, <laughs> it's funny. Ben Blackwell, when you ask him this question, like, did Paul write the pastorals? Oh, yeah. You, you mentioned this before. What does Ben say? Ben says that he says that Paul wrote it because church tradition, largely because church tradition. Has yeah. Said. What what percentage does Ben say? I'm I'm X percent confident that Paul wrote oh, it. Oh, that I don't know. That I don't know. Fifty one percent. The two percent yeah. that brings him over the yeah, edge yeah. is church tradition. Is church tradition. If it wasn't for tradition, Ben would be like, "I'm out, Paul. I write this." <laughs> but I'm all, it's also not lost on me that church tradition says that Paul wrote Hebrews and he did not. Well, it's just because we haven't had the information that we do yeah. now for as long as yeah. right. Yeah. For the long for the longest time it was I Paul. Okay, yeah. Paul wrote this. Right. right. But now like, we, we that's have hermeneutical things Hebrews. to read. And, yeah. And so I don't know why it was ever given it. We got thirteen letters of Paul. All of them say I Paul. 
except Hebrews. And there are people that still to this day insist that Paul wrote Hebrews. Yeah. It's like, bro, just stop it. Yeah. He did not. <laughs> so there is one other lady I want to talk about for a minute. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. Oh. Barbara Brown Taylor is an Episcopal priest. Um, somewhere up north. I don't know. Will you look this up for me? Where is she from? I don't, yeah, give me just a second. I don't exactly know where she's from, but she's an Episcopal priest up north. She's an older lady. I don't know, probably in her late 50s, somewhere around there, maybe early 60s. She is by far, hands down, a top five preacher in the world in my book. Yeah. She is by far one of the best communicator and storytellers. She was born in Lafayette, Indiana. Okay, yeah, so up north somewhere. Where does she pastor now, though? I don't know. Doesn't say. I thought she was in a parish in, like, Vermont or something. Um, I don't know. Anyways, but Barbara Brown Taylor, she's another woman. <laughs> she is. She's actually not pastoring right now. She's just writing and speaking. Yeah. Got you. Well, at least that's what this says. Barbara Brown Taylor is in that same boat as Beth Moore. How many people would not know the gospel of Jesus? without Beth and Barbara. Oh my gosh. Countless. I mean we we probably don't know. We probably won't know until we can ask God himself. Well, be- between the writings and the speaking engagements and and all the things. The media coverage just well, it, just just look at how many people Beth reached through her split with the SBC. Yeah. So we're we're not shy about it. We're not belligerent about it. But we're not an SBC church. We're a, we're a Baptist church, but we don't have we don't have national affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention because I can't get there with what they've done on issues of women and racism. Yeah, like I can't get there. It. I don't want to say it was a fight. It because it wasn't a fight in our congregation. Like no. it wasn't a fight in our church. But like. Yeah. I was very adamant that I did not want to be affiliated with the Southern Baptists. And again, this isn't a this isn't a shot. This isn't a belligerent. Not thing. at all. It's just because of certain stances, we could not affiliate. If if they would offer retribution for the places they've screwed up, sure. I join them. The well, problem for, is they won't for, for the places that they have overlooked and made mistakes. Right? No, no, no. Um, it's screwed up because the whole deal with. Both. I'm just trying to offer more graceful language. Well, you but. can, but I mean, it's literally like the Southern Baptist Convention. A lot of people give them passes for this that they just don't know Baptist history. But like the reason the Southern Baptist Convention exists is not because they were more conservative than the Northern Baptist Convention, right. which is now called the American Baptist Association, the ABA. The reason that the Southern Baptists exist is because they want to own slaves. So they left the Northern Baptist Convention and created the Southern Baptist Convention so that they could own slaves. Like, I'm I'm not shy that's about not, that's why they exist. That's not the point of this podcast. Um, it, it, it is true that we, did, we don't have 
um, a national national affiliate like that. Um, we are a BGCT church. We yeah, we have a um, state affiliate with the Texas with the, Baptist General Convention of Texas. With the yeah. Um, however, um, one of the this few several reasons that we did not align with the Southern Baptist Convention or the ABA is because we want to affirm women. Well, ABA is affirming a woman. Okay. They're not as affirming as I would like them to be, but they are affirming. Uh, if you were going to narrow down the ABA, like, so Baylor would be, or Truett would be the BGCT seminary. Yeah. The sure. Baptist General Convention of Texas Seminary would Absolutely. be BGCT. I mean, would be Truett. They have HBU. They have other seminaries, but like yeah. the premier one is Baylor's. Yeah. If you were going to do that same thing for the, the American Baptist Association or the Northern Baptist Convention, whatever you want to call them, they're the same thing. It would be Northern Seminary. Okay. They got Scott McKnight. They got Jeff Holsclaw. Those they guys got are, Nijay Gupta. Those guys are pretty progressive. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. and Nijay, Nijay was a fellow scholar at Durham with John Barclay. Oh, wow. When Ben was there. Did not know that. Like, Ben and Nijay know each other really well. Did not know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, like, they've collaborated on, like, collections of essays together. Like, they, they've co-hosted panels together. Like, they know each other very well. Northern is doing crap right. Yeah. I almost considered doing a doctoral degree at Northern. I actually remember that. Yeah, like, Northern is doing stuff right. It, I love what... They are 100% affirming of women... There were just some other things going on with the ABA that I was like, it's just not a good fit for us yeah. right now. Well, and and just the, the general idea of, of having a national affiliate, we have to fit in these boxes, right? Um, and, and we want the space to grow as a church and mm -hmm. let our theology change and grow as, as our church grows. Let uh, our... <clears throat> Let our theology progress. Yeah. I do believe to some extent in progressive revelation. Yeah. And I want that space and capacity for it to progress. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily change or grow. That's I think more those what I are mean. Those are semantics of the same thing. Yeah. But I want the space for it to progress. Yeah. And, and, and I just feel like in... Sorry, Clayton, I keep interrupting you're you. Fine. But I feel like in the last seventy years, the Southern Baptist Convention has not progressed at all. Well, it's been it's been pretty stuck. That's not what this podcast is about. It's not. Um, and, and I'm I'm trying to get us back on track here in the the role of women in ministry, right? The 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 reason that we don't have a national affiliate right now, um, is because the SBC, which is largely the Baptist churches in our area, if not exclusively. Yeah, that's um, the tradition we grew up in for sure. Um, does not affirm women in ministry. Yes. And, and we just could not get on board with that. That um, was a deal breaker for me. And and uh, I have had a conversation with Cullen about this. I haven't mentioned it on the podcast for a very specific reason, but I'm about to mention it now. When... I said earlier that I am okay to say that you were entitled to your opinion. I meant that until, <laughs> until I didn't. <laughs> no, 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 you are entitled to your opinion until it steps on someone else's rights. Yeah. <laughs> I got into a large debate with an individual that had to deal with another thing that 
I don't want to talk about this podcast. Okay. Gotcha. It also included women. Ah, yeah. Um, and I will admit that he stuck to his narrative in every way. And I was mm. very proud of him mm. because even though he does not affirm women in ministry, um, he did not. Um, he he has the more complementarian mm. view of marriage. Yeah. Rather than the egalitarian view of marriage. Yeah. Um, he stuck to his narrative mm. and that sex is for procreation, not um, for pleasure or worship or anything. Therefore, it does not use um, contraceptives. And I was like, uh, I was like, at least you stick to your narrative. At least you stick to your narrative. However, I firmly disagree. Podcast listeners, you cannot see my face right now. YouTube people, you can. I'm appalled. Um, it is a very primitive view. Um, and if you're listening, you know who you are. This isn't meant to call you out. This isn't meant to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that there are lots of views on this. Um, and that I am willing to actively, honestly say, I disagree and I think that you're wrong. Um, and he was willing to tell me that I was wrong too. And that's fine. Most of the time, those people are. Um, honestly, it, well, I don't know. This is not true in the conversation of women. The more liberal you are, quote unquote, I hate to use political terms for these kinds of things, but that's the one everybody knows. The more progressive everything you is are, politicized now. Yeah. The more progressive you are, the less you care about these conversations. That's true. Except when it comes to women. Yeah. Or like, like you said, until it steps on somebody else. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just like in the same way, the more liberal you are theologically, the less you feel like on a macro level, this is not exclusive. The less you feel like you have to have all the answers. Yeah, and I mean, and and that comes from us sitting at a point of looking at the Bible narratively, right? Um, we we are very comfortable with having gaps narratively, but like well, post liberals don't like that's the whole thing. Post liberals right. don't have to have all the answers. That's that's fundamental. It's foundationalist epistemology. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Post liberals don't have to have those answers. No. That's because, the, like that's literally the thing. Well, because we look at um, if, just for an example, it's deep cuts soteriology, right? We mm -hmm. we look at the um, um, Jacob and Esau story, mm -hmm. and, and, and it mentioned in in, in Romans uh, eight and Romans Romans nine nine. Sorry, yeah, um, you're right. And we also look at Pharaoh God heart and Pharaoh's heart, right? And we look at that, and we also. And we, we recognize, hey, that's not free will, <laughs> right? Oh, and we can say, yeah. we don't know what's going on here, right? Well, the Jacob and Esau thing. Do you think you have a pretty good idea? Uh, yeah, it's all about e who Esau married. Right, right, right. I'm Narr just saying, narratively. Narratively. Not spiritually, but narratively. narratively it's about who Esau but married. Paul spiritualizes it, right, in, in Romans 9. Oh, that's no doubt. Listen, but it's so, still about who he married. It, Sure, but like Paul still spiritualizes it. Agreed. Jacob, he loved and Esau, he hated. Right. Like, Agreed. Um, and and so like 
we're comfortable looking at that and saying we don't have the answers. Yeah, uh, we we don't know what Paul was trying to say here. We don't know mm-hmm. what God was was doing overall here. Yeah, we're, we're pretty confident in a um, uh, like theosis kind of stance mm-hmm. rather than in a. Uh, um, uh, reformed, reformed or, or Arminian soteriological stance. But we're comfortable looking at that and saying, we don't know. There is one thing that I will say that I know from the narrative of Scripture. Women are supposed to have a role. They are given a role by Paul. Here's the thing I know. if And by Jesus. Let's just throw that out there. If there's one thing I know about the narrative of Scripture, it's that in Genesis 1, God made them in his image, male and female, he created them. And in his creation of them, male and female, throughout that first chapter, seven times, a perfect expression of perfection, God said it was good. At the end of the sixth day, when he creates the male and female, breathing in his own life into them each time, at the end of that day, God said, and it was good. There is literally nothing different about man and woman other than the way in which they do complement each other not to negate their equality or mm. their equity, yeah, but well, only the, to say... I would say in creation it was equality. Agreed. It was only yeah. after power structures were created that it, equity was needed. Well, I don't know. Well, actually, I think that's Paul coming into my head. I think that's Paul in the Timothy epistles where she's the weaker vessel. So I would agree with you. I, I do think it's genuine well, equality. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I do know and what I'm confident in is that gender is not the thing that decides the work of God. God and the people of God decide the way in which the experience of the kingdom of God is enacted in the world.